sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Oh, yeah. It's that time. Welcome in. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Over the course of the next hour, we're going to get a chance to pick Mark Lawrence's brain. And this is how good Mark Lawrence is. People are calling me a legend now. All right. I've been in Vegas 25 years, and I'll tell you how I got to be a legend. All you do is survive. <laughs> you know, they survive in this business for about, I don't know, 10, 15 years. They start calling you legendary. You get to 20, they're like, legendary. I'm just a guy. I'm just a better. But my point is this. I'm bringing in Mark Lawrence today, and I moved to Vegas 25 years ago. 1998, for the 1998 football season. And when I moved out here 25 years ago, Mark Lawrence was legendary sports better Mark Lawrence. He's been around doing this since the 70s, since the mid-70s. So Mark has more, he's forgotten more about handicapping than most of us will ever learn. We're going to pick his brain uh, about college football uh, on today's show. We're going to talk about what makes him legendary. We're going to talk about a lot about morphing teams. That's where you make your money in college football this time of year, teams that are getting Better than they were, or teams that are getting worse than they were. Not the power rings are cemented in September, but when you see teams dramatically change their form mid-season, they tend to hold their value, good or bad, for much longer than when teams are good or bad coming out of the gate and the markets adjust immediately. So we'll spend some time with Mark talking about the morphing teams and ask him for a play. Uh, on today's card and teams he's got his eye on right now that he can make money with. And, of course, nobody better with the trends and angles than Mark Lawrence. We're going to look for a couple of systems from him that are in play uh, this weekend. But before we get into, and I want to talk about like the, the concept here of a sports season. Because college football is halfway over already, all right? More than halfway over from, from, from for some teams. And for all a bowl season... And there's a ton of bowls in college football, and it goes on for a month. But bowl season in its entirety has fewer games than you have on any one college football Saturday. Okay, uh, you know every bowl is less than you know less than you have in one uh, you know game on the card or one weekend on the card. Much less, in fact, than one weekend on the card. So it's it, college football. It goes quick. It's a blink. If you see something and you miss it, it's gone. You know, college football is absolutely a sprint. And it's one of those sports where you have to take advantage of what you see right away. Now, we had two winter sports start in the last two weeks, NHL and NBA. I'm not an NHL betting expert, so I'm not going to try to give you any NHL betting advice. When it comes to the NBA, however, it is the opposite of a sprint. You know, college football is halfway over already, and the other half is going to be gone in a blink. We'll be betting NBA multiple nights, you know, uh, multiple games every night from now until June. <laughs> it ain't a sprint. It's an 82-game regular season. There's four rounds of the playoffs, and there are big advantages in sports like that, all right? In college football, you see something, you better bet it that next week, 
and you better expect it to, to uh, you expect it to have a relatively short shelf life before the markets catch up. When it comes to the daily sports, and again, it's very different the first month of the season because the first month of the season, the odds makers are paying attention, the powering numbers are getting adjusted. After that, you see teams like Memphis last year. You know, they just you know, cover the spread in every game for like two months, <laughs> six weeks at a time. You know, I mean, you were like 22 and three ATS. I mean, that happens just about every year in the NBA. How does that happen? Well, number one, the markets get an opinion on a team, and it takes a lot longer for that opinion to change. In the NBA, the markets will have their opinion solidify 5, 10, 15 games into the season, and the game's gonna, the season's gonna go another <laughs> five, six, seven months after that. You know, so teams are gonna ebb and flow multiple times during that span. What you think here in October is not what you'll be thinking in January. That's not what you'll be thinking in April. That's not what you'll be thinking in June. And that's good for the NBA. So, you know, when you talk about college football, you want to have your opinions, have them strong, and take advantage immediately. In the NBA, you can be flexible with your opinions. Expect your bet on and bet against teams to change multiple times throughout the course of the campaign. Bet on teams right now. We're not going to be bet on teams a month from now. They're not going to be bet on teams two months from now. And certainly not when we're talking about the spring, you know. And personally, I've got, you know, eight or ten teams right now that I have either a bet on or a bet against opinion to open the season. Everyone else, I'm still neutral on. And I may will be neutral on for any period of time. But at this time of the year, all right, in a day like today, we have playoff baseball, and you have college football, and you have NHL. And you have NBA all with loaded cards and full slates and not even to mention the UFC and the, you know, the tennis and the golf and everything else and the soccer that everyone wants to bet. Don't try to bite off more than you can chew. All right? If football is taking your capping time or hockey or baseball or whatever else, it's okay. The NBA is very much like baseball in one respect. It's a sport that you can pick up five or ten or twenty games in and have plenty of shelf life to play these teams, to learn the teams, and have plenty of shelf life to make some money. So, you know, college football, you try to pick it up four or five games into the season, you're ready behind the curve. I think it's impossible to catch up. NBA, even if you're not doing it right now, opening week, I love opening week, but if you're not doing it right now, there's room to make some money. Mark Lawrence coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I talked about a little in the open. You know, the word legendary gets thrown around in this business a lot. And from my experience, the only thing you have to do to become a legend in the sports betting world is... Stay alive and stay in it. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's 10 years later. Oh, legendary. 20 years later. Oh, my God, the legendary. You know, I moved to Vegas in 98. And when I moved out here, Mark Lawrence, the man we're talking to today, the man I'm about to introduce, was already the legendary Mark Lawrence. So let me ask you this, Mark. What makes a better legendary? Is it anything other than longevity? Well, I would say, Teddy, that the the first word that I would dismiss when talking about legendary would be famous, because a person doesn't need to be famous to be legendary. 
I think the people that are legendary are the ones who either set benchmarks or those who earn the respect of their peers by doing something perhaps that maybe nobody else has done within their industry. And I could cite, for example, uh, Billy Walters, who moved lines whenever he bet because he won. The guy was a winner. He knew exactly what he was doing, and he gathered the following. The other within our industry, I would say our own Steve Fezzik is legendary, you know, just sure. given the fact that uh, you know we all know who Steve is, what he's done. He's the only guy to ever win back-to-back Superbook contests. And he's all about the numbers, staying ahead of the numbers and proving that if you get the best number, you have a better chance to win. So i got to put Fez right up there as being legendary as well. Well, I'm going to put you on that list, Mark, and I'm going to put it without any caveats, without any asterisks, without anything. You know, the fact that, you know, you, uh, last time we were on, you said 1975 was the year that you started doing this, if memory serves correctly, uh, like doing this for a living. Is that is that right? Since 1975, you've got it right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember that correctly. So, yeah. So, yes. if you survive in this business since 1975, I don't care if you're rich or poor. If you survived, <laughs> <laughs> you're a legend. Okay. Now, longevity is clearly a piece of the process, but you're also someone, Mark, who has I mean, enormous influence on many, many younger cappers. You were an influence on me. I can think of basically all my peers when we talk about it. Who's the guy you respected? Growing? You know, Mark Lawrence is the guy I respected. Mark Lawrence is the guy I tried to model myself after. Um, I hear that from the people in, in, in my era, and we're all becoming legends now, dude. So you're doing something right. Well, you, soon you can call me grandfather of that of all those names, Teddy, because uh, <laughs> you know, with uh, you know, enduring uh, all those years since 1975. The thing I'm probably the most proudest of is number one, my wife, as you know, you know, we've been married 55 years and uh, had a great marriage, and I would do it all over again. But the other thing I would say is the fact that my my organs have held up real well for me, my kidneys, my liver, my heart, my lungs, my health is good, and you know, you can't trade your health for anything. So here's to good health, and here's to a good wife. Amen. Uh, I've said so far so good for me, and in both of those categories, but uh, I got a long way to go. <laughs> I got a long way to go. So let's talk about experience for a minute. You know, there are so many newbie bettors. Now, obviously, betting is blowing up now in a way that uh, was never the case uh, throughout your formative years, throughout most of your career. What we've seen over the last five years in terms of the betting world exploding here in the U.S. means that there are so many beginning bettors, intermediate bettors, guys that are still you know, gaining their chops and getting their teeth wet. And I don't even know if I'm, I feel like I'm mixing metaphors there. Uh, but how important is experience? And what's the most important lessons experience can teach you? Because I try to think how I was handicapping when I first came out here in 98, let alone when I, what I was thinking before I even moved out here when I was capping back in Michigan. And it's like the thought process is very different now from where it was, uh, you know, beyond different. It's in, in, indistinguishable from one another. What are the most important lessons that experience can teach you and for our listening audience? How important is the experience factor in handicap? Well, if I'm a newbie better, Teddy, as you call it, uh, and there's a lot of new people in this industry are betting right now because of uh, the PASPA Act being repealed and legalized wagering happening now. I'm really, we're all happy to see that. But if I were a new better in this environment today, the first move I would make would be to seek the advice of an experienced pro. 
I'm talking about uh, the pros that have been there and done that. Uh, they've won a lot, and they've lost a lot. And believe me, it didn't come in that particular order. They most likely lost a lot before they won a lot, and they won a lot because they were experienced. They learned from their lessons. And I think what the person has to do is don't set your expectations uh, sky high. Be realistic about your approach to the game. And the other is to approach the business or approaches as a business. Look at yourself as the CEO of a company. And all successful CEOs are primarily successful because of the people they surround themselves with. You learn, you learn from other people. Uh, you know, you can, you, you can, you can pass along what you know, your knowledge and everything, but the company that you surround yourself with is vitally important. So, you know, be open to advice and be open to advice from experienced professionals. That would be my number one caveat. So, uh, I was in a movie called Life on the Line back in the day, directed by Isaac Feeder. It was a documentary about the uh, about uh, Super Bowl betting, a week uh, of the Super Bowl. And, and Fezzik, who you talked about earlier in that line, in that movie, had a great line where he looks at the camera and goes, "Treat it like a business," you know. Uh, uh, <laughs> there you because go. That I mean, because and when you said that line, it immediately reminded me of the movie Life on the Line, which I think is, you can still find it on Hulu or on some of the streaming sites. I'm sure it's still out there. Uh, directed by Isaac Feeder. Um, uh, it's a pretty good movie. It's a fun movie to watch about the Super Bowl, and you can learn a little bit about my life uh, if you want to do it. Uh, but the point is, Fez says that line, and he sounds, I mean, it's, it's so perfect, you know, in the movie, he's like, treat it like a business, this is not a hobby, if you want it to be a hobby, have fun, make it a hobby, if you're serious about it, take it seriously, and that includes keeping accurate records, and it's not just keeping accurate records, it's then going back and looking, hey, what am I good at, what am I bad at? Well, I'm winning with my bigger favorites. I'm losing with my bigger underdogs. Let's play more bigger favorites or look for more of those spots and let's play fewer bigger underdogs, you know, or whatever the results may be. If you're, it's not just about tracking it, it's about tracking it, paying attention to it, and learning from it. The, another, another mistake I see a lot of newbies make, uh, Mark, is that they, they overreact to a single, a single bad event. Or even a, a cluster group of bad events. Like, oh, I'm never betting on so-and-so coach again or so-and-so team again. Or <laughs> I'm never betting a favorite again of more than, you know. And it's like it was one game or two games and you, you had a bad luck with it. But the broader generalizations are where I see betters getting themselves into trouble on the newbie side. And they're trying to make broad generalizations off of relatively small sample sizes. Well, it's all about a betting process, Teddy, and having establishing a process that you're going to work diligently at. And if you do that, just by doing that, you're going to put yourself in above 50% of the people. And the other side, other thing to remember is this. It's all about winning the war. You're going to lose battles along the way. You mentioned about having a bad day, a bad week, a bad run. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. But you're in it to win the battle. And if you keep that thought in mind and stick to it, and stay to your betting process, you'll end up coming out ahead by the end of a season. I can almost guarantee it. Almost. <laughs> almost. I'm not guaranteeing anything in this, in this world. <laughs> oh, but it certainly gives you a much better shot uh, at yes, being ahead at the end of the season. When you're paying attention, when you're treating this seriously, when you're tracking every result, when you've got your spreadsheets going, when you're not doing it haphazardly, 
You talked, I, I thought that an, an analogy of, you know, your CEO of your own business is really sharp. Um, that's what you're doing when you're a sports better. You're the CEO of your own company. Um, take it seriously. And by the way, I just looked it up. Uh, I Googled it. Uh, Life on the Line is available on Amazon Prime if you want to watch it. It's, nice. It's the Teddy Covers movie, man. You guys, if you haven't I'll seen it, I'll check that out. I will check yeah. that out, yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, there's, uh, there's one scene to this day I feel sick about it, but this poor kid was coming in and talking about how he's hitting 70% this season, and I mocked him pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, anyhow, we'll be right back. Cover it continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. So basically, for every show that I do uh, here on the SportsGrid Radio Network, uh, I send my guests a list of the questions they're going to ask them. You know, and I try to keep it creative. I try to keep it interesting. I try to change it from one week to the next. I'm not asking the same questions over and over again. But as always, this is not a pick show. You'll get picks, but this is much more about teaching a man to fish than giving a man a fish uh, type of show. So I always send a, you know, I send a fairly uh, detailed list of questions uh, to my guests so that they'll have an idea uh, of what the heck I'm going to ask them and they can prepare a little bit. So I sent Mark this list. I don't even know how many questions are on it. You know, <laughs> a dozen more. We got through one in segment one. We'll see if we can pick up the pace a little bit in segment number two. Uh, so let's start right here, Mark. Uh, of course, we were talking with legendary sports better, uh, Mark Lawrence. Uh, Mark, how's your college football season going? Sides, totals, are you a prop guy? Future wagers? Uh, give me a broad overview of how your season's gone through the first half of the campaign. Well, my season's gone pretty good so far, Teddy, knock on wood. Uh, you know, I'm a very selective handicapper. I don't like to expose a lot of my bankroll on any given weekend. I, I just kind of like want to isolate on the best-looking plays each week, and it keeps me in the game all season long. I can say that. It's going well right now so far. The things that I do not do is I do not do totals. I do not do props. I do not do futures. They're fun. They're out there. Everybody's firing away at them, especially with uh, uh, with the uh, being able to wager uh, on your phone, live betting, in-game wagering, and all that stuff. I stick to the basics, and it's because of what I do, the way I was raised, and it's what works for me. It doesn't work for everybody, but it's what works for me, and uh, so I'm super, super selective in doing that, and just that, and in my approach about being super selective. I primarily look to zero in on what I would call live dogs that I feel have a chance to win the football game. And I do that because when you bet on underdogs, three things can happen and two of them are good. And you don't have to be a math major to understand the win percentages in just that. Because a dog can win the game, a dog can cover the game, or the dog can do neither. So those are the guys, the puppies that I settle on. And that's my job each week is to ferret out those good-looking live dogs each week. Was that Vince Lombardi's line? It was like when you throw the forward pass, it's three things can happen and two of them are bad. Is that a Lombardi line? That was a Woody uh, Hayes line. Okay, Woody what it Hayes. Was. Never, yeah, Woody used to love to run the football. Remember, three yards and a cloud of dust, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Right? And if you throw the football, three things can happen and two of them are bad. That's exactly <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so here's a scenario where three things can happen and, and two of them are good. Now, I loved your approach. You're like, look, I'm not worried about totals. I'm not worried about props. And really, the college football prop market it's not easy to exploit. I'll just leave it at that. Um, when it comes to futures, in 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 August, I like to bet sometimes teams to win the conferences. 
I'm never betting a team to win the national title. But I'm interested in some of the longer shots on teams to win conferences sometimes when I think they're alive. And I'm interested in season over under win bets in college football. Do you do any of that, Mark? Or is it really you're looking for dogs? You know what your wheelhouse is and you're sticking, you know, you're staying in your lane. You're not trying uh, to pepper the board in that regard. Well, I'll do a little bit of what you just mentioned, Teddy. And uh, it's after we put our Playbook Preview Guide magazine to bed after we've done that work in the off season, you know, we put like four months of work into that magazine and I've got a real good feel at that stage and point about what to expect from football teams. They don't always, always play out, but I have a pretty good feel, a pretty good handle. And I'll look at NFL football totals, uh, you know, knowing what I'm going in with, looking at college football totals, uh, knowing what football teams look, appear to be struggling, which ones that look like they may have under the radar powerhouses in effect like that. So things like that, I will do season win totals before the football season begins. And I have my copy of Mark Lawrence's playbook with your smiling face on the top uh, right here on my desk. It's here all football season, pretty much every football season. Um, there aren't a whole lot of magazines that I'm interested in. Mark Lawrence's playbook is absolutely one of them. Plus, there's that great picture of Joe Burrow uh, on the front. Uh, Joe Burrow, who's been making me money of late. Uh, but, <laughs> Good. Uh, I don't know about this week, though. Nonetheless... Um, which team, speaking of making you money, which teams are making you money uh, this season? You know, you talked about you're looking for dogs. You're looking for live dogs. Two good things can happen out of three possibilities with dogs. Are there teams you've been going back to the well with over and over again uh, this year? Or is it really, there isn't any one or two teams that stand out that have, oh, I love this team this year. This team's been making me money. You got a team like that or not? Well, you know, that's sort of a broad question in the sense, Teddy, that uh, teams have been good to me, okay? And because they've been good doesn't mean they're going to become automatic plays because largely it depends upon who they're playing and what the line in the football game is. So you have to have the value. You have to have the right opponent. But I can say this, that uh, thus far this football season, I've made the right moves in fading Jimbo Fisher, for instance. Uh, He's only lost to the spread twice, but I made major plays against him in both of those games. One was as a prohibitive favorite against Appalachian State when he lost the whole game. And the other was against him as a small dog against who I felt was a much better football team in Mississippi State who took care of business. The thing about Jim Bill Fisher with me is, uh, and, and I handicap coaches first and foremost, and the thing about Jimbo Fisher is I've never been a Jimbo Fisher fan. I think he's, I think he's a bit of a fraud, and I think he's just taking money up away from the Texas A&M football program. And it's panning out that way better than ever for me this year. And simply from the standpoint that if you look at his work body of work this year, in every game against an FBS opponent this year, he's been out yarded in all five games. That is not the marking or the making of a college football powerhouse by any way, shape, or form. I think he's vastly overrated. And so too is the team. So in doing that with that perception of mine, you know, I'm going to pinpoint and isolate those proper spots to fade him with. Uh, the other couple teams that have been good for me have been Clemson this year so far, focusing on them on, in ACC games, because I felt Devo Swinney had a chip on his shoulder after last football season. And he brought back what was supposed to have been his best defense. It's not working out that way, but it was supposed to have been. And I think I think he wanted to make a statement in the ACC this year. He's doing that so far. I don't know if he will uh, this particular weekend if they get that job done or not. But the problem here is uh, eventually a good ride comes to an end, and it probably will likely will come sooner than later for Clemson. Another team has been UCLA has been really good for me this year. And uh, it's largely because of Chip Kelly. And uh, I felt he had the most talented team 
he's had since he's been with UCLA. And he is, by the way, this year, that football team, there have only been nine teams this year in college football that have been what I call perfect in the stats. That means they've out-yarded every opponent they've played. UCLA is one of those nine teams. And when you find teams like that uh, and they dress up in the role of underdogs, they're usually pretty good sides. So UCLA has been one of my favorite pet plays for me so far this season. So and the, Chip, the narrative on Chip Kelly just cracks me up. Because, again, I do, I, I do a fair bit of mainstream uh, media. And the narrative on Chip Kelly has been, uh, Chip Kelly, underachieve, underachieve, underachieve. Then this year, all of a sudden, it's, Chip Kelly, legendary. Of course Chip Kelly was going to succeed at UCLA. I mean, it's like, you know, the, 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 what a great job Chip Kelly's done at UCLA. You know? and, it's, and it's like, that wasn't the narrative two weeks ago, let alone two months ago, let alone two years ago. Um, yep. But pundits, pundits say what they say uh, and, and do what they do. You talked about fading at Texas A&M. You fading them this week? Is South Carolina plus three uh, something that you're interested in? Is that in your pocket? I don't mean to get the ahead of the curve here, but when you talk about fading an A&M team, um, the Gamecocks piqued my interest this week. I'm curious if they piqued yours. Well, uh, and I will be fading A&M again this week. Uh, you know, I think you've got a blue-collar, harder-working football team in South Carolina than you do in A&M. And until A&M does something right uh, a couple of times re- repetitively, I'm, I, I will think no different about this football program. I'm going to look to fade them every chance I get. And what about Clemson this week, where they're uh, you know two touchdown uh, favorites uh, over Syracuse? I like the total in that game more than the side. I'm not convinced either one of these offenses is going to be marching up and down the field. Uh, I expect it to be a relatively low-scoring affair. Would you have any interest in laying the two TDs with Clemson this week, or is this just in the price range you're looking for? No, I won't, Teddy. And, uh, you know, one primary reason is uh, a lot of what I was telling you about in the stats. Syracuse has been really strong. They've outyarded five of their six opponents. They've really earned their record so far this year. And I don't like to fade undefeated teams at this stage of the season and lay doubles into them. I just can't do that. So, you know, it, to me, uh, it would be uh, Syracuse and no play in the football game. So while Clemson's been good, you don't have to ride that ride every week. So this week I'll be jumping off the Clemson bandwagon. Jumping on and jumping off the bandwagon. And that, again, is a really key piece of the puzzle. It's not, his, you know, what Mark is telling us. That has been at least a part of his success, his ability to isolate teams in their proper role. That's what he's looking to do. So it's not every week I'm on Clemson, every week I'm on Clemson. It's I can get Clemson as a dog, I can get Clemson as short chalk, I can get Clemson in a good matchup spot this week as two TV favorites against an undefeated opponent. May not be <laughs> that best opportunity uh, to do it. Syracuse has uh, impressed me, although from a strength of schedule standpoint, I do worry about the Orange uh, as they step up in class there. But on the other hand, when you look at that recent series history, are you a series history guy, Mark? I know it's not a question I asked you, but I'm thinking about it. And I, I, I can't help myself but look at recent series history and say, all right, what's changed from last year or recent years to this year? Uh, and Syracuse has played uh, Clemson tough consistently and repeatedly. I'm going to use a Billy Joel phrase here to answer that question, if I may, Teddy. And it's uh, one of his songs called I Go to Extremes. And when it comes to history, I do go to extremes. What I'll do is I'll look for teams to change roles in which they haven't been in in a string, a long, long myriad of years. You find one football team that's underdog, been underdog for 12, 15, 18 times in a row, and they dress up as a favorite this year. So I see them dressing up as a favorite, and i got to go dig deep and say, what have they done to warrant this role change? 
that's to me uh, going to an extreme. Uh, so I'll then look to make the case for the underdog who has been uh, habitually the favorite, and now he dresses up as a dog. So series history to me is just about that, looking at the opposite end of the ladder as far as extremes are concerned. As long as you're not trying to sing Uptown Girl on me or Piano Man. I, I'll, I'll, I'll never right. sing you anything for you, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> you quote all the Billy Joel you like. More with Mark Lawrence coming up next. Coverage continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're on your TV. We're on your radio. We're on your phone. Go to Twitter and give us a follow. At SportsGrid. At SportsGridTV at SportsGrid Radio, and stay on the grid everywhere you go. You can follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore covers. Of course, you can follow Mark Lawrence on Twitter. He has a very complicated Twitter handle, at Mark Lawrence. That's Mark with a C. M-A-R-C-L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E, at Mark Lawrence on Twitter. Must mean That means you must have gotten to Twitter early if you got your name on there, Mark. Your actual name without an underscore uh, one or a real or something. Were you an early advent to Twitter? I, I've been an early kind of a guy my whole life in doing things, Teddy. Just a little bit of a forethought and, you know, maybe what's going to be popular. And I did get, uh, grab a handle real early with Twitter, although I wasn't active in the social media scene at all. And really, honestly, the truth be known, up until about the last four or five years. But uh, I did do just that. Uh, I figured that, you know, that's going to probably be useful to me somewhere down the road. So I was fortunate to be able to do that. Well, again, a prescient decision, a smart business decision from a guy who treats it like a business. All right, Mark, let's get into it. Let's talk about some morphing teams right now. All right, because in my mind, this time of year, midseason college football, I don't want the teams that have been great. I don't want the teams that are riding a five-game of ATS winning streak. They're money losers right now. I want the teams that looked lousy early, but now they're getting better. Or the teams that looked great early, and now they're getting worse. So let's start about morphing. Let's start talking about a morphing team or two. What team stands out to you as having gotten much better in recent weeks following a slow start? I think right at the top of the list would have to be the Buffalo Bulls of the Mid-American Conference. This team started out 0-3, and they're on a four-game straight-up and point-spread win run right now. They've really completely turned their football season around, and they could end up being a contender and playing perhaps in the MAC championship game. So they could be the epitome of one of those teams that everybody gave up on early, but maybe too early. Another team that uh, that – I'm on has been Purdue, or I've been on lately here of late. They got out to a sluggish start one and two this season, but they're in a nice four game wins run here. And they've got a coach here today that, you know, I told you I love the zero run on coaches and their, and their coaches' tendencies. And their head coach, Jeff Brom, is the epitome of what I would call a good dog and a bad favorite. And along the course of this run, he's fit into those roles perfectly. So, you know, they're a football team I think is morphing in the right direction. And uh, I think another team going in the right direction would be Boise State. 
a team who started out real slow. In fact, they were being ridiculed for how pathetic some of their performances were, but they seem to have gotten their act together if the last two games are any sort of indication. They won those games comfortably, both in the stats and on the scoreboard. So I would keep an eye on Boise State. I still think that uh, that Mountain West Conference is, there's no stick-out team in the Mountain West Conference this year, and I think Boise State could end up being the guy that gets to the finish line first. Yeah, Boise, uh, it was that Friday night game against San Diego State where they flipped the switch at halftime. They were down 13 nothing at the break. In the second half, they came out, and all of a sudden, Cutter's offense worked. And then, of course, Cutter yep. didn't start the season as the offense coordinator in Boise. And they scored five unanswered touchdowns in the second half of that game, and they haven't looked back. Boise is absolutely the type of team I'm talking about here. Uh, Purdue and Buffalo, both underdogs this week. Uh, those two teams that you're riding again, Purdue at Wisconsin, Buffalo, uh, they're at home. More than a touchdown dog against Toledo. Now, you know, a split line there, seven and seven and a half is available. Yeah, there are two football teams I'm going to uh, strongly keep an eye on, especially when they puppy up in those particular roles. And, and as you know, as I said before, I'm looking to make cases for these dogs that I think can win football games, and I think they're playing the kind of football that present that question, so it ends up leaving you with a money line proposition playing those games as well. Oh, excellent. So what type of teams stand out as having gotten much worse? Teams that are weaker now than they were a month ago. Teams where maybe the markets haven't caught up with how far they've fallen after a hot start. Anyone stand out to you in that regard? Well, I think the Memphis Tigers are one of the football teams that got out to a pretty good start on their name and reputation. I think you know they had a pretty strong following. They uh, they got past Temple as a big 18-and-a-half-point favorite and uh, eked out the points spread win. But uh, the indicator to me was when they tripped up against Houston, uh, a very mediocre football team, and uh, couldn't handle laying points at home against them. I think they're a football team you got to watch. I think they're kind of going to end up spiraling in the wrong direction here, this Memphis football team. And, you know, I could be wrong about that, but uh, we'll see. Uh, another football team, I think, that could be – going in the wrong direction and don't don't call me captain obvious here but uh the kansas jayhawks got out to this great start as as the whole college football world knows they became the darling of college football but when they lost that first game to tcu and that was a tough loss it was a football game that perhaps maybe they could have won but they didn't then uh they step up next week against oklahoma coughed up 700 yards that may have been an indicator that uh they'll be glad to just be in a bowl game this year uh, they're not going to be setting i don't think any sort of records at kansas this particular football season i think uh their better days might well be in the rear view mirror uh and i would say also if i'm looking at a football team that may be going in the wrong direction might be the washington huskies here we got out to that great start I'm a big Kalen DeBoer fan, the, the head coach, but uh, right now this football team is not heading in the direction he wanted it to head in. That loss to UCLA was, I think, crippling when he went on the road and laid three points and uh, come away with a loss. Then he laid 13 at Arizona State, got beat again, and he struggled against Arizona. So there's something not right in whatever they're serving in the locker room uh, at Washington these days. So i got to put them a little bit on my look list here and see if they don't start performing uh, a little bit worse than they were at the beginning of the season here. And I still think they're being priced as Washington at the beginning of the football season. And that's the key, I think, when you talk about morphing teams and teams that maybe are going to go in opposite directions, whether or not the odds maker has caught up with those moves and those particular teams. I'm going to throw one more at you here real quickly. Sure. And that's going to be a, a team that I was on from the get-go. And uh, the new kids in the block, James Madison, they came over from the F FCS world and dominated over there. And 
they just really kick butt when they come into the FBS and uh, have done a great job. And, you know, hats off to them. They won the yards in every game. They played terrific job. But that loss to Georgia State uh, as a 13-point favorite was alarming to me, not only because they lose the game in the scoreboard, uh, what I don't like is the is the yardage in the football game as well. I think uh, what the 590 yards they coughed up. I think they could also be uh, on their morphing down downward cycle here because they they got out to that great start. I don't know if they'll finish the season anywhere near the way they started it. Yeah, so that's three teams that was on everyone's bet on list in September: Kansas, Washington, James Madison. And you bet on all of those teams the first half of the season. You made good money. Mark Lawrence says, back half of the season, you might want to look for some different teams to put your money on. Are there any other teams that stand out to you that are primed to improve or decline down the stretch? Maybe they haven't seen it yet, but you think it might happen. Um, anyone else you want to mention? Well, you know, everything I'm doing, Teddy, right now at this stage of the season is in, in, to me, it's all about in the stats. And, you know, I've got this brand about being a technical guy and a trend guy and, you know, um, between you and I and the fence post, the last thing I am is a trend guy. I'm more about systems and <laughs> angles and things like that, but more now specifically about the stats because that's where your body of work shows. And uh, uh, you are, like Bill Parcell said, what your record says you are. And uh, when I look at the record of teams and how they perform in the stats, uh, there's a couple of teams I think that have been surprising this year. Uh, number one, is Texas Tech, a football team that has not yet lost in the stats thus far this football season here. Uh, I think they're a football team to watch. They were they were reported to be sneaky good this football season, and I think they're going to end up being just that uh, moving forward. I'm not going to jump off of them anytime soon, just depending upon, obviously, what their results are. And another guy that's completely, and I mean completely, under the radar is a Northwestern football team that appears to be swirling, but I'm saying appears using that word because if you look at their body of work, they've won the yards in four of their six football games this year. So Pat Fitzgerald's football teams are very rarely beat up you know, to, the, to the point where they're going to end up being a, a pancake, and I don't think that'll be the case for them. I think he's too good of a coach, and they're too proud of a program here. I think Northwestern could be a sneaky, good, big, ugly dog going out. They're two touchdown dogs to Maryland uh, this weekend, and that's a game that I'm going to talk about before this show is through. We just got a few minutes left here with Mark Lawrence. Man, this hour goes by fast, buddy. Um, I want to ask you in terms of I, I want to ask you about first year head coaches, but I'm going to have to skip that uh, right now because I know that you are someone who has a ton of good systems and angles, stuff that works over time across the sport. Would you be so kind enough to share one or two with us a system or angle that works here? Well, let me say this about that, Teddy. Uh, I have a database of all the head coaches that I go to right away. And as far as new head coaches are concerned, uh, their success is largely dependent upon the football team they inherited and obviously who they're playing. Uh, Look at Joe Moorhead, uh, reputed to be a really good head coach, and he's, he finds himself now in the MAC conference with Akron. He hasn't <laughs> meant a thing to that football program this year. So, you know, the coach, good, uh, perceived to be better this year. They're not. Look at Marcus Freeman, Notre Dame. I think uh, it might be the classic case of the Peter principle where he's advanced to a level that maybe he can't handle. 
Mario Cristobal at Miami comes over here with all the uh, all the hype and everything, but the, what everybody's forgetting is the fact that these are not the players that Mario Cristobal recruited. They're the ones he inherited, so it's going to be a while for that to happen. Uh, and I mentioned before, Kalen DeBoer, like, and the other one is Sonny Dykes, who I think has done a great job with TCU. I've got to give him his due. Uh, as far as systems and angles go, really it depends upon the team and the coach, and there is nothing specific that I could pass on you I'd love to be able to. But honestly, it would be trendy type stuff, and I'm not a real trendy type guy when it comes to new coaches. Kalen DeBoer, it's worth noting, I saw something on this a couple of weeks ago, where Kalen DeBoer, going back to his days as a coordinator from like 2017 through the start of this season, when he was coordinator, his first gig as a head coach, and now this year uh, in his new gig uh, at uh, Washington, and of course he was the head coach at Fresno, uh, but... During that span, 70% over a five-year span against the spread, DeBoer has been a moneymaker, although not the last couple of weeks. Mark Lawrence, we're out of time, my friend. Give us uh, a college football opinion for Saturday and promote yourself. Tell people where they can find you. Well, my college football opinion would probably be Oklahoma State taking the points at home. I just uh, I like this football team. I like where they're going this year. Uh, and you dress them up as a home underdog here, I think they'll come and get everything they've got in the football contest. That's another classic case to me of a live dog that can win the game straight up. And if anybody's interested in what it is that I do, everything that I do is available on my website at playbooksports.com. You know, Teddy, I publish three different newsletters, our football newsletter, our statistical newsletter that I live with right now, the Midweek Alert, and the only totals tip sheet in the country. You can check it out all online at playbooksports.com. That is great stuff uh, from Mark Lawrence. And, you know, uh, the, the, the Kalen DeBoer thing is just rattling in my brain right now. When you see a coach like that that has had those type of track records for an extended stretch, and then you have a little bit of a rough patch, which way do you go? Is it the long-term track record? Or is it, hey, maybe the markets have finally caught up with him? It really is an interesting discussion. Mark, any last thoughts before we left you go, my friend? Best of luck today. Uh, two, two, two words, Teddy, or two, two coaches' names in regards to Caleb DeBoer. One is Chris Kleiman, and the other is Lance Leipold. Two coaches that met with great success at smaller programs and are turning their programs around, and so too is Caleb DeBoer. I think they all are cut from the same cloth. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're here in the home stretch of Cover It with Teddy Covers. Listen, if you missed any portion of today's program, all right, I thought Mark Lawrence gave some really strong info today on bet on, bet against teams moving forward, mid-season stuff we want to be paying attention to. It's a program, it's a show, I, I would encourage you, if you missed any portion of it, download the podcast version. It's real simple. Just search Cover It with Teddy Covers at anywhere where you download your podcast. And boop, it'll pop up, you download it, you consume at your convenience. Download today's college football show. Download tomorrow's NFL show ahead of time. Download... Uh, some of the preview shows over the summer where we're talking about a lot of these teams and what to expect midseason. You can download a show from two years ago in the Super Bowl where I got it wrong and make fun of me. Whatever you like. <laughs> uh, download, consume at your convenience. Again, just search Cover It 
with Teddy Covers at all major and minor podcast outlets. So Mark Lawrence and I did not talk about what teams he was going to mention when he talked about potential bet on and bet against teams. And I was surprised he talked about Northwestern. And then I wasn't surprised he talked about Northwestern as being a bet on team, potentially down the stretch, because Pat Fitzgerald has got a great track record over the course of many, many years getting his teams to fight hard down the stretch. All that being said, every leading indicator that I have towards Northwestern program is pointing down. All right, this is a program headed in the wrong direction. All right, the modern era of college football, when it comes to the transfer portal, that doesn't help Northwestern. The name, image, and likeness deals really doesn't help Northwestern. All right, this is a program that's pointed pretty far south. They went 3-9 and nine last year. That was their second 3-9 and nine season in the last three seasons. And they haven't won this year since opening day. And the last two losses, really problematic. An offense that just isn't working. A defense that's vulnerable to the big play and getting pushed around at the line of scrimmage. I understand two of his kid brothers banged up. I don't know if you're going to play this week. But I can only look at laying the two touchdowns with Maryland in this ballgame. I'm not expecting Northwestern to hang tough. That's not this year's version of Pat Fitzgerald's Wildcats. That's going to wrap it for Cover It with Teddy Covers. Again, tune in tomorrow. We'll do it again on Sunday right here on Sirius XM Channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Luck is throwing a wad of paper into the trash. Strategy is bouncing it off your coworker's head first. Hey! Strategy is more cool. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network.